Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. In Ireland, we love a good story. And I'm lucky enough to be able to chat to people from all over the world to hear their story and to hear about their life in Dublin. In this podcast, we want to be able to learn from the stories of others so that people who have recently moved to Dublin can get the most out of their time here. Uh, how do I say? In a scenario. Like if you, uh, you're living your life in a different country or somewhere like that, and then all of a sudden you kind of might look back on yourself and be like, oh. Look, look where I am now. That's where I would say you've found yourself or you've kind of seen where you are. Yeah, it's it's look where I am now or it's uh, it's that moment of reflection upon who you are as a person and you're just totally um, away from family, friends, um, past jobs, that type of person. Maybe you came out of school or university. Like even in university, I was a different type of person than I, I was in school, actually totally different. It was a different environment. I was a bit more extroverted, things like that. So I think it definitely does change. I was looking at something just there a second ago. Uh, someone sent it to me. I just looked at a WhatsApp message before we started. Um, and um, it says in the message, Europe's biggest beer drinkers. Um, and most people go, oh, Ireland has to be number one. It actually isn't apparently and spain are ahead of of uh ireland so that was a a bit of a surprise Uh, but it it brings up the top of of alcohol and i'm going to introduce you simone with this topic you don't know why yet but um when i was about 13 or 14 i this is the only time i've ever been to italy i was um playing on my school rugby team Uh, we were terrible um, in comparison to like other you know amazing schools in Ireland but we went to Milan to play against an Italian rugby team um, and I stayed with a, a family there in Italy um, they spoke no English it was it was it was hilarious the food was stereotypically amazing um, I remember that I just remember because I never liked lasagna and um, but I had lasagna there and I was like, this is totally different to the lasagna that my mom makes. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we had a, we had our game of rugby or whatever. And then we stayed with the family and it was like that big long table, huge. Like the grandparents were there, the cousins were there, the uncles, aunts, cousins, yeah, everyone was there. Huge long table. And at the end of the night, the, the father, grandfather, I can't remember who it was, was like, oh, you're Irish. You'll have a shot of limoncello. And I never drank alcohol before in my life. <laughs> um, and I was like, oh, okay. And I was with a couple of friends from school and we were like, yeah, yeah, okay, let's. Um, so we had about two or three shots of limoncello and I wasn't drunk, drunk, but it was the first time ever in my life that I had felt the effect of alcohol. I remember walking down the stairs afterwards going, oh, this feels a little bit different. So long story short, I want to blame years and years of alcohol abuse. Uh, I'm going to blame it on the Italians. <laughs> 
your fault. <laughs> yeah, it's your fault. Absolutely. Do, um, do you remember when you first had alcohol, actually? Oof. Oh, that's another story. So I don't remember the first time, but I was talking to my friends lately. And I remember in 2012, I came to Dublin with my family on vacation. And the only thing that I remember from, from that trip is my dad that tries to give me a Guinness mm. inside the Guinness storehouse and the police and the security get mad with him. And that was, I think, my first sip of a beer. <laughs> what age were you at, at that point? It was 2012, was you 10. said? 10. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can imagine they got pretty, pretty <laughs> 10 years old. That's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> um, so that was your, your first experience of Dublin. It was my first experience in Dublin. Um, it, did that influence why you're here now or has got nothing to do with it? No, it's, not, it's got nothing to do with that. But it's just a, the little remember that I have from Dublin. Yeah. yeah. So um, you can maybe explain to, to us, like, first of all, how long you've actually been here, uh, why you decided to come here um, and how, how that experience has been for you so far. So I've been here since three months okay. and the experience has been amazing. Mm. And I didn't really decide to come to Dublin. It happened because I got graduated in March in intercultural communication. Mm -hmm. I studied in Milan and I was between starting a master or either start to work. So then I started to look for masters. I found a really good one in Belgium. And then I started to also apply for jobs. And after two weeks, I got this interview with the company that I'm working with and was a really great opportunity that wouldn't happen to people that lives in Italy. It's so hard the, um, to find a job like yeah. a nice one that can stimulate you, can get you out of your house because that's what we want. We've yeah. been studying. And also lately with COVID, we were stuck in the house with our parents, with our brother. The, like the, the house was getting like smaller. Yeah, of course. So I was like, I want to get out of this. I want to grow up. I want to have a nice experience. And then I found this opportunity here. I was like, why not? Why not Dublin? And <laughs> I'm lucky to have a family. So I was like, if I don't like it, I'll just go back and yeah, of course, go back to my things. And it's been, it's been amazing. Like I found like really nice people. I think the best thing is about the people that I met, the people that I live with, the people that I work with. I really like enjoy the time with them and also i love the city i thought it was like a small city with not much to do that's mm. what my that's what i thought yeah and then i came here i was like wow i didn't know that dublin was like that it's like full of young people um a good environment good vibes i like that people are out every day either it's raining it's sunny people are mm -hmm. out they enjoy the time and it's been really good yep really cool um you you come from one of the most uh, fashionable cities in the world, mm -hmm. Milan. Um, I think Irish people have improved a little bit, but we're not on the same level as a city like Milan. I think twenty years ago, if you if you saw like the fashion sense of of the ninety nine percent like of Irish people, it was pretty terrible. Um, now I'm not a fashion guru in any sense, uh, or pretty much um, these days get told what to wear more than anything else <laughs> um but uh is, is that something that you noticed when you came here that because there's a lot of style and fashion and there's beauty and whatever i have like like i said i'm actually going to italy in a couple of weeks so i'll talk to you about that in, in a few minutes but my memory of of italy and like if we take um let's say some some famous italian things like cars they're always like designed with you know being as beautiful as possible and that's more important almost than the functionality of the thing um even i have the vespas which are always you know like you know really nice and then the fashion sense i remember that when i was in milan um was that something you noticed when you came here that here it was a little bit more rugged a little bit i would say yeah i saw it and uh I would say that I don't really mind. Yeah. I think it's more about um, being real than like show something, like try to show something. Like I feel like people here, 
they don't really care about um, like what they are saying or what they're showing uh, on what they have or what they put on like clothes. I think they care more about what they are. It makes sense. Mm. Yeah. I I think to a certain extent. I don't know if you agree, Russ. Um, I mean, it, it depends on where what part of the country you're from. Uh, my brother has a good word for uh, the fashion of people from the country. They call it kulshik. Uh, rather than Kulchi. So a, a Kulchi is a person who comes from the countryside. Okay. Uh, and obviously chic is the, the French word for something that's fashionable. So uh, he, he describes Kulchi as people who wear what they want and are comfortable within their their skin in, in the country. Uh, my my style growing up was, a I don't know, I just wore as... as bright a color or as weird a pattern as possible but maybe that was just influenced from my uh, from my uh, uncles and aunts who were quite into streetwear they were big adidas fans we were always an adidas family rather than a <laughs> than a nike family we'd, we'd be repping a bit of umbro and stuff like that uh, but yeah uh, you, know, you can't you couldn't it was the it was the sponsor for the irish jersey for a while but uh, i think the style in dublin is kind of cozy but functional functional because like you said it does rain and it also uh, it's sunny and snowy all within the space of about 20 minutes so you kind of need to wear something that is somewhat practical otherwise you're just going to be drowned out i um like my i was in italy once 2008 it was probably two months before the uh the bubble burst and the, the economic crash of 2008 and uh, I always remember the the fashion of Italy being popped up collars on a polo shirt, uh, wearing kind of funky jeans and things like that. And um, but uh, I think the Irish fashion is is steadily growing. But you do get those people who kind of just wear off the wall kind of clothing that's just not uh, yeah practical well, i think it's been influenced massively to be honest uh, and this being self-critical of our own nation of other uh, cultures who have moved to ireland i think you know particularly maybe in dublin and, and other cities in ireland uh, we can't we have to put a little bit more effort in now when you've got all these brazilians italians <laughs> french walking around you're like oh that person looks so much cooler than i do um, but yeah I, I guess that's that's part of it um what's your uh, what's your experience with, with your work being like so it was a great opportunity um have you found it difficult is it something that you're you're enjoying and by the way your your english is incredible so how how did that get how did you get to that kind of level of english so i i got this level because i moved to the united states mm. when i was 18 with no english okay I could have just said, hi, I'm Simone, and I like pizza. Yeah. <laughs> that was the only thing. <laughs> and I lived there in a host family. I was an au pair. Mm. And so you live with a host family. You take care of the kids, basically. Yeah. And then you got tons of free time to, like, as, as we said before, find yourself. That's yeah. where I found myself. And, yeah, this is why I got this, I think, good level of English. And also, how, how did you, can, can I ask, how, how did you find yourself there? So I'll just, I'll just start from a little bit before. Yeah, that. deadly. So in high school, I studied as a surveyor and I got in that school because I didn't got accepted in another one, which was a, um, a sports school that I wanted to get in. I didn't got in because I didn't study enough okay. to get in. So I got into the surveyor school and can I just ask, this is when you're in high school um, and you're you're on, you're already studying for a profession. Um, it's it's now I mean, you can you study for a profession like you can work with that. OK, um, I was just interesting because we don't work that same way here. We're like when we're our high school or as we call it, secondary school. I mean, you pick specific subjects, but you don't it's not. Uh, designated towards a specific career okay. does that make sense so when you say you're studying you were you you chose a surveyor school all of those subjects were related to you then 
going further to study that in more exactly, yes. yeah okay and i started that i was like yeah i'm just gonna do a year and then change back to where i wanted to go and then i went there and we were a class full of guys and we were having so much fun i was like no i just love the people here i'm just having such a good time i'll just stay and then life will tell me what to do and then i had my five years of high school I'm like i don't know what to do i don't want to work with this uh, i don't want to go to university i want to study and luckily one of my best friends told me there's this opportunity with ef educational first that you can apply and be an au pair in the united states learn english and leave an experience i was like let's cool. go let's do it and then i took this opportunity i just went there like without any english without knowing anybody and it, it is so far the best experience of my life amazing where did you go in uh, america i was in san francisco oh, it was very really nice i was really lucky i found a really nice family they helped me so much and uh, it was amazing because putting you outside of your comfort zone it takes you to to do things like you're now being home with your mom with your friends with your things so it puts you in a situation where you have to do things and like trying to learn and understand what you like what you don't like and what is good for you and what is not and that really helped me and it made me want to study like i would say that i learned a lot from the experience and from the people that i met there mm. and why then, did why why would you say that it made you want to study um, like the people that i was with the the things that i was doing they're like like in the future um i think now in 2022 I feel like I need to study to, I don't know, like improve myself. And I would say hanging out with people, um, like they were studying there, the people that I met, it made me like, like I was seeing that they were growing in a yeah. like faster way in I was like, this could be right for me. And then- Can I ask like what, when you're when you when you're speaking about this, these type of people, are they within a specific industry? Like, are you talking about technology? Are you talking about, um, or just generally? Um, the people that I met there, they were either our pairs like me. Yeah. Or I was a um, friend with people that were studying at Berkeley. So that's Amazing. a nice environment. And I was like, oh, these guys are like getting things, getting, you know, knowledge and stuff. I, I, I need to study. Yeah. It's a thing. And I was like, I'll just go back and studying. And when I went back to Milan, I went to this university. I studied as an intercultural communication. And I really enjoyed it. That's where I started studying in my life. I never studied before. Like proper study. You stay on the books. Mm-hmm. You do exams. Like you put some effort. And I really enjoy it. That sounds brilliant. I mean, that's kind of what we're doing in this podcast is some form of intercultural communication. Mm-hmm. Um, what what type of things did you study in that course so it's i would say that introduce you to um like a really big um, to introduce you to communication in a lot of aspects let's say the psychology aspect like what's behind communication it's like not just talking is also like non-verbal communication how you move mm-hmm. how like you stand in front of someone when you're talking or you look at them and then we went through what's the cultural aspect about um, people like i don't know if i like know someone here i would just give him my hand if i meet someone in italy maybe i would kiss him i don't know yeah like those kind of things and also i study arabic Mm -hmm. oh wow and well i don't really know much i mean i can't not talk but i study and i think studying a a language even if you don't like really can talk that language i think it gives you um another way of thinking another point of view and like it helps you your brain and your mind to get bigger that's interesting because um my my undergrad was in communication studies and i've just finished a master's in applied linguistics and uh that first undergraduate kind of 
gave me the basis of understanding how to get your point across, how to actually approach uh, a scenario as open as possible and not to be closed off with the opportunities that are available to you. And coincidentally, uh, when I, uh, my last year of college in 2015, I lived in Berkeley uh, in San Francisco, uh, well, just outside San Francisco in California. And uh, that kind of opened my eyes to how, like, while we both spoke English in Ireland and the US, it kind of, there are a lot of cultural differences to it. And then going back uh, last year to do the, the master's, uh, it just then opened my eyes to the English that is spoken around the world. And while we do speak the same language, uh, the the subtleties of uh, of kind of bringing in your culture into English uh, is quite amazing. So when you came to Ireland, was there a massive difference between the, the English, let's say, spoken in America or the, the cultural side of the English way or the American way to the English way of Ireland? Uh, I would say so. Like <laughs> when I was in, in training at my work, they were say, like, what's your accent? You're Italian, but you talk kind of American accent. And once I said, I was asking question about holidays but I said vacation mm. is not a, you don't use it, right? You say holidays. Yeah. And so they started to make fun of me. <laughs> <laughs> and also I'm living with a guy from Limerick mm. and a girl from Scotland. Okay. Oh, good mix. And we all speak English in the house, but in a different way. So sometimes we're like, we don't understand each other. Mm. Like the, the accent for me, uh, especially the, the guy from Limerick is difficult to understand. It's like really, I don't know, I would say close. Yeah. And, but I would say I didn't really find that, found that like cultural different with the language. Mm. But uh, I know just the difference is like the accent and getting to understand people. And I think I'll probably get a different accent mm. in, in this time. And what do you actually? I mean, you studied intercommunication, you moved to Ireland and you said you got a job that is quite, uh, that allows you to do the things that you want to do. What are you doing? So I'm working for a Google vendor as a campaign, uh, advertising campaign optimizer. Mm -hmm. So we basically get optimized campaign for clients. Um, In the Italian market? Uh, so I, like I give priority to the Italian market, but I can also work on the English market. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's the main, the main work, but I'm still learning because I started just two months ago mm -hmm. and I'm really enjoy what I'm doing. I mm -hmm. think the best thing about the work is the people like they help you like they, if you have a doubt or like if you have a question, they just stop the, what they're doing and they'll just come there to help you. And I had some little experience in Italy and that never happened. Like you were on your own. And if like, of course, on your own, you get things wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they were like, blame on you after. I was like, I asked for some help. And yeah, the best thing is the people. And also the, I really like the environment. It's full of people from all around the world. So you got a lot of different stories, backgrounds, cultures, languages. And yeah, that's... That's the two things that I'm really enjoying. Is there, um, so first of all, I remember when I was going into secondary school, high school, as you probably know it, I really wanted to study Italian, but there's there's actually, there's not that really many schools that that facilitate that. It's normally Spanish, French, or German. Um, so anyway, I chose French for whatever. Uh, yeah, well, it was a good experience. Um, but... <laughs> Italian's a beautiful language. Um, I, I I love the way that it sounds. I mean, obviously, there's different uh, rhythms to it, depending on if it's from the north or, you know, Rome or in the south. Um, is there any, maybe you won't be able to think this might be a difficult question, but you might you might have an idea. Is there anything that you would say in Italian that maybe there's no translation for in English 
or there's no no kind of way to say it in english that so of course all the hand gestures that we have yeah you don't okay. have any translation of those no um where does that come from by the way i mean you said you studied body language in as part of your course why in italy do you use so many hand gestures what's there must be a, an origin to that um, i don't really know like like no one even really like, taught me them like my parents didn't teach me how to move my hands when i talk i just mm. thinking someone is something that we have inside i don't know or just we see people doing it and then we start doing it like i'm actually trying to teach my colleague he's irish <laughs> like some of them do like when we talk we can like understand each other better mm. but the thing is when i talk in english my hands are just in my pocket <laughs> really i can't really relate my hands to my english mm. like what i'm saying english but about something that i cannot translate and i gotta i need to think about it yeah it's a bit of a, a, a put you on the spot a little bit there asking that question but um there's some nice ones that even come from the irish language to to english um like that can maybe as you say change your perspective on things like uh, you're gonna have to forgive me i can't remember the actual irish word for this but i know that the irish for wolf is uh, son of the land uh, or that that would that's what, how it would translate into english um and we you know in our culture we associate wolf normally with things like wolverine or um a werewolf you know kind of fear and this kind of like something to be careful of whereas the irish translation is is son of the land it's like it's more of respect does that make sense it's like no this uh, we're on his kind of land here if he wants to be annoyed at us that's we have to respect that um and it's a different way of perceiving that one thing um i think we've we've kind of mentioned it pre previously on some of the other uh, episodes it's like you think differently in other languages your perception is different in other languages and trying to express yourself especially uh when it's so connected to you like like you said if you want to say something in english it's hard to associate the hand gestures to the english translation because your language is just part of you regardless of what where you are in the world and uh if you if you feel like the word has a hand gesture connected to it you you use it with that if you don't have the if you haven't mapped that word into english with the hand gesture associated with it then you just you don't know when to use it you, you i guess do you kind of feel like you aren't able to express yourself or have people been quite generous here in ireland to kind of uh, facilitate the maybe the inability to really really uh, feel like yourself um now that we're talking about i think i found really hard to make jokes in english like okay. maybe the joke makes sense in my mind in mm -hmm. italian then mm -hmm. i said in english just no one laugh or they <laughs> i have the same problem in english as well don't worry <laughs> get the hint man. Yeah. come on like i think that could be like maybe like i think the i'm thinking in italian to make a joke and then this doesn't even make sense and people stare at me yeah but um people have been generous yes but also if they don't understand me they just say uh, i don't know what you're saying yeah and it's true what you said like when you talk a different language you i think you talk also in another way because i talk spanish because I lived in Spain for six months and I think when I'm talking in Spanish, I'm more fun than when I talk in Italian or English. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I make more jokes, the things that I say, I don't know. And I, I think I, I lived with people that they were fun. So I learned Spanish with them and mm. just mm. it's your environment again, isn't it? It's uh, how, how it influences you and how it kind of shapes you. And even speaking of like language and meaning and giving uh significance to life and uh, how we think even that question that we talked about at the beginning and what i spoke about in the podcast last time was finding or choosing yourself it's just it's a simple verb mm. you know and we often grow up with the expression to find yourself which makes you think that it's something that clicks it arrives you get to a destination and there it is it 
you found it. It's like finding your keys when you're, you're you know, running out of the house, like, boom, there it is, found it. Whereas choosing yourself is is kind of, it's more contemplative. You sit there and you have to think and, and choose the type of person that you are. Mm, I think, um, like, I agree with find yourself or choose yourself, but I think it's more create yourself, like, with the experience that you do, like, you understand what's good for you, what's not, like, you know, where to aim, or, like, even if you'd make an error or a mistake, it's, it's, still, it's still good for you. I mean, it, it will make you grow. Um, as I, like, explained about the experience that I had in the United States, that could have been a really, like, you could have had the bad. I was like, maybe I wasn't going to learn English. I was just doing a year away and then coming back and being the same position. And I think in a certain way, you find yourself. But once you find yourself, then you make the change that you want. Yeah. Like, so I, I had mentioned before about finding yourself, choosing yourself, that, you know, when you're saying, I found myself in, in in a scary situation or something like that. You don't plan to find yourself in that scenario. You just all of a sudden realize you come online and you're like, "Holy crap! I'm I'm in a dangerous situation. I need to get myself out." Uh, so fi finding yourself is I I feel like again personal is just you just realize where you are, and then. Yeah from there you like you said you choose your next step or you create the, the the event that will happen after you can either go in one way or you can go in another way and while they're all synonyms of the same kind of idea each of them do play a role in you becoming you and yeah. you eventually uh well, unfortunately just dying at whatever point you are I found myself dead like you know and hmm. uh so it, it it is quite interesting but to the to that effect it's when you you almost need to lose your it's like m&m here eh? eight mile you got to lose yourself in the moment and, and forget <laughs> what you what you've done before and the only way to move forward and like you said create the new version of you is to just keep going and and then eventually in maybe six months two years ten years you'll find yourself in a new position you're like how did the hell did i get here because mm. if you lose your keys you find them in a place that you didn't think you had them because if yeah. you knew where they were you would have you would have known where they were in the first place yeah yeah so it is that quite accidental yeah just on, on that as well big shout out to eminem i know he's an avid listener to this <laughs> podcast um thanks Marshall. he's, he's also he's always in touch with us uh, yeah, yeah, what, what you say makes uh, total sense, though, Ross. Um, you, you've been to the US, you've lived in, in Spain for six months. Can I ask how old you are? I'm 24. 24. So you've had quite a few uh, life experiences for, for a young person, 24. Um, then you said that, you know, life is not about necessarily finding or choosing, it's about creating yourself. Um, who are you creating at the moment uh, in Dublin? So I think Dublin for me is the, like it's to kickstart my professional career. I think the main reason that I came here is that reason to um, create opportunities, open doors, meet people, and then whatever comes, I'll just see and take it if, if it's a good thing or just wait for the other one it's, mm. i think it's gonna be a, like a big door to open and see what's what's next yeah um there's lots of people that uh you know in, in dublin spain switzerland whatever country that don't actively look to really seek experiences outside their own country they might do like a three-week course or whatever um what was it about you what what was it inside yourself that made you want to to be an au pair in the United States to, to learn and practice your Spanish in Spain for six months? So the part of me that took me to the United States was like when I finished my high school, I was kind of lost. I was like, I don't know what to do. Mm. I, I don't even want to do something. I was like, 
I was lazy. I didn't really like what I study. I like the people, of course. And then I saw this opportunity and you know, everyone has this American dream to go there, mm. travel and I don't know. And so that was the main reason I was lost. I was like, I'm going there and we'll see what happens. Yeah. I went there with a really positive mindset because yeah. I didn't know anybody. I didn't know the language. Actually, my host parents, after a couple of months that I lived there, they said that on the first day that they met me, they picked me up from the airport and we talked a little bit. Like, I mean, I didn't talk, just moved my head saying yes. Yeah. And they told me that, oh no, like they were talking to each other and they said, who we got in the house? Like, <laughs> he doesn't know any English. Yeah. But after a couple of months, of course, the kids helped me to learn English. And I was like, just talking in English as was Italian. Of course, I was making many errors. The kids sometimes were like, what you just said doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> they were helping me. And I think this it's kind of related to the reason that I came here is since I really enjoy the time far away from home because mm. I grow, I would say in a faster way, in a bigger way when, when I was there. Uh, that's another reason why I came to Dublin since the time there was really nice and I felt good vibes. I grew as a man, I grew as in my professional career, my experience. I was like, I'm going to go far away another time and see what happens. Yeah. And it's great. It's going great so far. And what do yeah. you say to the type of person? Because we, I have this type of person in, in my life and it's just, you know, people are, are different. Um, and I'm not saying that you have this type of person in your life, but I'm just going to pose a, a scenario to you. Imagine you go back to Italy and a family member or a friend kind of says to you, like, what are you doing? You know, leaving Milan, like everything here, you want to grow, you can grow here. What do you, what do you want to like seek outside of, out of here? Like you're away from your family, you're away from your friends. I don't get it. What's, what's your answer to them? Uh, <laughs> like everyone does what he wants. Yeah. Like that's what I wanted. Yeah. So I just did it. It happened to me. Like a lot of people that I know, they are scared to go somewhere far away from home, far away from the parents, their, their things. And I just wasn't, I was like, this is going to be good if I do it. And I'll see the results in a couple of years, maybe. Yeah. And I'll just say I had a good time there. So that's, yeah. I mean, to answer to that kind of question, I think you got to do it. Like you can now, like maybe if someone was asking me that question before going there, I couldn't answer them. But doing it, going there, coming back, uh, I would just say it was a good experience. It was good. I, I learned English. My life has like changed completely. What was bad about it? Mm. Yeah. And also experiencing something uh, outside of your country, it makes you love your country better. Like I love Italy. Yeah. But now I'm living in Dublin and I also love Dublin too. Oh, I'm the same. Whenever I've lived abroad, I mean, I, I do all of the things that I don't do here. You know, I... I try to Irish dance. Uh, I'll I'll go watch literally any sport that has any Irish team playing, which I wouldn't do here. Um, yeah, you become this weird nationalist, but then when you come yeah. back to your own country, like yeah, whatever. <laughs> oh yeah, it is like that. When you live abroad, you're more like in my case, I'm more Italian here than when I'm in Italy because like you have to represent your country. Here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I had this conversation with my brother uh, a, a couple of weeks ago. And it's essentially when when people go abroad, uh, like Italians have a they have a good reputation in Ireland. It's not a poor reputation. Okay, they might take up a lot of the street when they're walking down, <laughs> but it's uh, usually large groups of uh, Europeans. Um, but like in general, people like Italians, and I, I feel it's the same way for Irish people abroad. People like that, and my, my brother. Uh, was saying, oh, that's because of, let's say, the, the privilege that we have. But I feel like it's 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 not really a privilege. It's the hard work and diligence that each individual Italian, Irish, 
French, whatever person does with people from a different culture mm. and that every single person that talks to each other, they're building up that reputation. They're building up. So if, if I met a bad Italian, I've met a, enough great Italians to be like, ah, oh, nah, this guy is an outlier. If you're only exposed to one person from that place, you might say, oh, they're quite rude or something like that. And you'd be a bit close minded to think that's representative of all countries. But the hard work of each individual person to put their best foot forward in a different country is what allows everyone else from that country to be able to go out and and feel like they're respected. And and that kind of drives them to go forward as well. Uh, you were saying there was, there was quite a lot of Italians here. And do, do you feel like all of them are trying to represent the country in a good way or... Do you, maybe you know the kind of the finer details that oh, this person is a little bit he's sick of Italy and kind of just wants to forget it or they uh, or do they miss it really so much that they're kind of anti anywhere else? Mm, I would say the one that I met, they're all doing a good job, I would say. Good, good. But also, <laughs> I think we kind of miss something like we stay a lot between each other. So that means something like. Mm -hmm. I like being with every kind of people, but sometimes I feel like being with Italians, it makes me feel home, maybe. Like, I know Sundays for us is football and pizza. So that's what we did last week and all Italian friends eating pizza and watching football. Mm. But I think we like trying to do a good job here to represent us. Yeah, well, actually, this is something I kind of feel a bit strongly about because you have the idea of representing your country and you're Italian and we're Irish. And, you know, I think there's, it's, you have to be proud of that. Um, and as, as you said, Ross, like if you meet one like person from a nationality that you don't get on well with or who treats you badly, our, our innate instinct is to go uh, fucking Spanish or Italians or Irish or English or whatever. It's just how we react. It's It's normal. And I think it takes a, that's actually kind of one like big thing that I want from this podcast is we want to talk to people from as many different cultures as possible so that we all understand that it doesn't matter where you come from. At the end of the day, it's the person. Because when I lived in Spain, for example, there was a guy on my street who obviously had mental problems who shouted at me all the time to go back to my country, right? Fine. But if I was to walk out in a bad mood that day and it's like I could just go on, you know, I'm really uncomfortable here and you know this guy is making my life hell and as Spanish people are, are but I knew and I know that that's obviously not the case um, and I feel strongly sometimes because we do like you can have that experience in Dublin more than anywhere else because you can have bad moments someone says something stupid to you someone shouts at you you know someone's rude to you and I see it a lot here where people go people are you know, generally, I think people will say, oh, we're friendly or whatever. But I have actually, and Ross, I'm sure you're the same. I've spoken to people where you kind of have to go, no, that kid who threw an egg at you uh, is not representative of, yeah. And you are walking down a bad street at a bad time. And yeah, more than likely, 60% of the time, you're going to get an egg thrown at you. But, you know, better to like learn that, change your route or something. But don't designate all Irish people as egg throwers or don't designate all Spanish people as like racist telling you to go back to your country because it's not that way at all um so like it's not black or white in the sense that it's not um you're you can be try to decategorize it totally and we're all members of this earth and globe which we all are but we're also all Irish and Italian and we've different cultures and we need to be proud of that and, and support, like, uh, protecting that. And not, but not be all other cultures are irrelevant and are less than us, but welcoming in. And it's a really difficult thing to do because you don't want it to be black or white. You want it to be gray. You want to be proud of where you are or, like, where you come from. Protect your culture. Be proud of your culture. But at the same time, as you are, open to... Um, other cultures, learning about other cultures. Um, and that's where I'd like us all to go, I think. But uh, traveling or living abroad 
was what taught me that uh, I, if I never had that experience, I, maybe I would have learned it. I don't know. Um, I mean, we've also worked as English teachers, so we work with a lot of different cultures, but um, I think it's something that's important to learn. Exposure. Exposure. exposure is the only absolutely. Way, really. There you go. Yeah. I mean, I, I have. I have a lot of great friends from home uh, who are very accepting of, of of people from other cultures, but it becomes for them if someone comes, but they live at home, and if someone comes to my hometown, which is uh, kind of a quite a small town in the west of Ireland, it's kind of a novelty for them, so they're kind of knocking a bit more crack out of it. I had a good friend uh, from the Netherlands who came over to Sligo, and. For my own enjoyment, and I think the enjoyment of the other people at the pub, I brought her down to the local just to have a few beers. And there was a massive debate between three lads, and they're like, what language do you speak? And she's like, Dutch. They don't, they don't speak Dutch in the Netherlands. They speak German. And then they had this whole, like, maybe, you know, four or five-minute debate amongst themselves in front of my, my, my Dutch friend about what language to speak in the yeah. Netherlands. And I'm just like, they speak Dutch. This yeah. is, and then the guy comes back a few minutes later and he says, I'm so sorry. I found, I actually found out they speak Dutch in the Netherlands. <laughs> yeah. was like, come yeah. on, man. I'm, I Googled it. This. <laughs> you know, but, uh, but that to me, to me was quite hilarious and, and kind of enjoyable. And maybe she was a bit awkward about it, but like, I know that they, they, who are they going to speak from the Netherlands in, in, in the middle of Sligo? It's just a novelty for them. So again, the exposure to that helps broaden everyone's minds. And like, I lived in America, I lived in Vietnam. And uh, so, and within Vietnam, there's a lot of other nationalities kind of living in a close proximity to each other. So I, I feel like I could be an outlier, like in, on the grand scheme of, of the globe of, people who kind of have been exposed to international uh, international communities but like without that exposure I feel like it could be still quite close-minded and kind of battling with myself on accepting people from other places you can see how easily that could happen yeah absolutely um but I think that's where like the internet can change things um uh, we we spoke to uh, Melinda from Sri Lanka on on the podcast, one of the earlier podcasts, and it was really interesting because well, essentially he's now a stand up comedian, right? Uh, but heavily influenced by comedians from the US, which he watched on YouTube growing up in Sri Lanka, um, and that really has shaped his life and his direction in a massive way. Um, without the internet, like he might not have like. You can you can get that exposure these days with the internet. Um, not it's not the same. Obviously, it's not the same. But you know, there's it's more open. It's like it's not the tailored. It's not the tailored one that your country would have for the national broadcasters. You know, they kind of tailor what they want and kind of what they want to show you in terms of international content and stuff that's maybe a little bit P PG. Uh, rather than what you can get on online, you can get Jesus anything these days. Mm. So, uh, and that that might be, I guess. Sorry, my watch every <laughs> bloody time my watch goes off. And, uh, I sent right. I sent Ross a message last time. I was like, make sure your fucking watch doesn't go off again. <laughs> every bloody time. Um, but yeah, so it's it's getting that exposure, that unfiltered. While I feel it, it, it can be a bit unruly especially for young kids like they don't really know what what type of culture it could start to create a global connection between the youth coming up that oh you watch that k-pop uh, tv show or that k um, that k show like let's say squid games for example or you listen to k-pop or you listen to uh, watch japanese anime and all of this kind of thing and they share a they share a childhood of international content which then you know will shape the next generation and the generation after that well i think myself and yourself grew up on the den or mm. irish television and you and your friends would have grown up on whatever was on italian tv and you kind of have that shared commonality that we wouldn't share ourselves simone yeah i've never thought about that but that's actually really true like we're mm. growing up 
with things from all around the world. And I think yeah. it wasn't the same for my parents, maybe. No. And yeah, I feel I agree with what you just said. I think Dublin, like I don't know, since how many years I've seen this big wave of people coming from all around the world. Just you just get down in the streets and you cannot tell who's Irish. Like, I mean, I find it really difficult to say who's Irish on the street. Like sometimes if they're wearing a t-shirt and it's raining and windy, they are Irish. <laughs> That's the only way I spoil in Irish. Or maybe they're ginger. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the stereotype that I have in my head. But yeah, I feel like the exposure to, to cultures, to ideas, people, stories, it helps you like understand diversity, accept it, and enjoy it actually. I really enjoy people like people's stories, like their background, like listen to what they're saying, where they've been, what they think, their ideas. I that's one of the most things that I enjoy and stimulate me to get to know people and their stories. Yeah, and that's really cool. And maybe it's something unique to to like you um like if you think maybe I'm wrong, but maybe you're let's say your grandfather or maybe your great grandfather, I'm assuming probably didn't speak English. Right. And also didn't have the opportunity maybe to travel as much as as you do. So think of like your unique point of view. I often think about this, like. I remember meeting a guy from Venezuela once and he told me about why he had moved to Spain uh, and it, because essentially he was a banker in Venezuela, but had to move because his his wife and child at one point had been kidnapped and basically held to ransom for the money that was in the bank. And he decided, well, I have to get out. But now he was living in Spain, but he was waiting for his visa to come through. And he's really worried that he was going to get sent back to Venezuela. And here I was sitting in a bar talking to this guy and he's telling me this story in Spanish. And I thought if I didn't understand Spanish, I wouldn't be able to hear this incredible story from this person from another part of the world. And it's the same with you. You're now speaking English in Dublin which and you're hearing you're going to meet like some interesting people over the next however long you end up spending here um and you wouldn't have had that opportunity you wouldn't have been doing a podcast like this in english this yeah amazing. yeah uh, my italian is uh uh bad that's all i got yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of sligo and out, out of dublin have you had a chance to get out of dublin yet or you've just spent your time in dublin no yeah Forest that I went is Black Rock. I went to the, <laughs> the beach there. <laughs> it was sunny. It was actually amazing. The feeling of close the computer at five, yeah. get on the Lewis and go to Black Rock and jump in the sea. Because you cannot do that in Milan. Yeah. The, <laughs> nice. The dart, I think. Oh, the dart. Yes. Yeah, no, um, you have to get out of Dublin. Um, yeah, how long do you plan on spending here? So uh, my idea is one or two years. Great. All right. The reason I ask that is because we're about to come into winter. And I think although you can have some nice autumn days, uh, getting like it's just the days are shorter. So um, I think seeing like the west of Ireland, particularly in spring, summertime is unique um, and really good, good thing to do. But maybe you go to Wicklow, for example, um, there's plenty of hikes if you like doing that sort of stuff. Anyway, I'm talking like this, where like I'm sure you know all of this, but um, the reason I'm saying it is I really try and push people to get outside of Dublin as well, because as you said, you don't even know who the Irish people are walking down the street. Dublin is a very multicultural place, which is brilliant and I love it. But if you want to have maybe a more authentic Irish experience, maybe a lot of Dublin people would disagree with me there, but more authentically Irish experience, I think it's good to to get out of you think people are friendly in dublin you go to the west of ireland or or even smaller cities in ireland it's the friendliness is on a almost sometimes too much <laughs> uh, i felt that when when we were here in 2012 we were with the rv mm. and since the rv doesn't really go fast as cars my dad was pulling over on the side of the street to let people pass and the people were passing they were just staying on the side of the road and waiting for my dad to go back and like <laughs> We want them to pass. <laughs> it was so nice that they, they didn't like take him over. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, yeah. yeah. Italian drivers are, are famous for, for that kind of stuff. Here, we're coming towards the end of the podcast. Um, and I want to go through a couple of questions with you before before we finish. But first of all, 
Um, it's been an, well, a, a real pleasure having you here. I think we've had a great chat and covered a lot of different topics. Um, you've got a really interesting story. Uh, I love the way that you're adventurous and trying to uh, discover new things and about yourself and about the world, I guess, and develop yourself. That's really cool. I wish you luck on that. Um, I'm sure you'll do a, a real great job at it. Um, what's one of your favorite places that in Dublin that you've you've come across so far? So I would say Grand Canal, the Red Sticks. I yeah. love there, especially at sunset time. That the sunset cool. goes into to the building. It reflects on the the windows. It goes into the canal. I think that's my favorite spot so far. Yeah, it's nice. Maybe I know it's not legal. Buy a beer at the spa. Enjoy ah, it. Oh yeah, on there. It's yeah. really nice. It might be legal, but it's not illegal either. No, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's my favorite spot. I really, I really like it there. Like at that time, everyone is finishing his job. They go there, have a chat, and enjoy the the sunset. The time. Yeah, that's my favorite spot. Yes. Brilliant. If you were to give someone a piece of advice who was um who has just moved to Dublin or was thinking of moving to Dublin, well, what would you say to them? I would say uh, go for it mm -hmm. and be brave to uh, to come I mean not be brave to come here, but just just come and you'll be happy to be here. And I think like try to find the, the things that you like. Like one of my favorite things is playing basketball. So as soon as I came here, I texted to the organization of basketball. I was like, I need a team here. And they helped me right away. Brilliant. I came on a Friday. That's great. And on Tuesday, I was playing basketball. Was ah, that's great to hear. And that, that got me into my favorite things. Yeah. And I got to meet people that have the same kind of my, like mindset as me. They like, you get to know people there. It's easier yeah. to get into Dublin, into the life, into know get settled that's brilliant i would say just um stick to the thing that you like and you'll meet new people interesting mm -hmm. people and be proactive because yes. you were proactive about proactive, it yes. yeah like you you initially you were like boom i'm gonna do this um uh, which not not everybody's like that um or it's more difficult for some people maybe but if you think if you make the effort it'll pay off in, it in the end um yeah, thanks again, Simone, and thanks everyone for for listening. I somebody complained to me uh, a few weeks ago, and she said, "You just finished the podcast as if no one's listening." You're just like, "All right, see you later." So um, I have to make a note now to thank people who are listening, um, and I think it's actually a good point. Um, and one other thing that would really benefit us a lot um, is basically if you enjoy the podcast, if you can share it with someone you know. Um, let's just say one person if you think this might be useful for one person who you think might move to Dublin or uh, it has just moved or just living in Dublin and it can be this podcast can be a companion for people I think more than anything else um, and I'd really really appreciate it if you can share it or give us a follow on whatever you're listening to us on um, and that would be great uh, Ross any any closing words you're uh, from your travels across Europe, you've come back a wiser man. I think you've definitely found yourself. I found myself in some tricky situations along <laughs> the way, for sure. Um, no, I mean, I mean, I, I've kind of come to an end of a, a chapter in my life, and I kind of feel like Dublin has reinvented itself a little bit to me. And uh, and I, I again just go out there, try people are not as scary as possible uh, as you think they are and um just uh op open open the arms to anyone who's coming and uh have a, have a lovely time for whoever's here listening thanks very much <laughs> thanks guys appreciate it thank you so much Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. 
United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.